Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney back for another week covering the NTT IndyCar series. I almost said Verizon. Whoa. Old habits. I mean, pretty old habits. It's been a few years now with NTT. But this week we have the Honda 200 at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. But first, we'll have news on the silly season for IndyCar. It is ramping up as expected. And we'll do our mid-season uh, IndyCar grades for the full-time teams. A-plus is all around. <laughs> not quite. Not quite at all. And technically, it's not the mid-season. Now, had they added a replacement race for Toronto, it essentially would be more the mid-season. What, they're nine races in out of, what, 16? Yeah. So, slightly off, but... I mean, close enough. Close enough, right? I mean, that's that's how we roll. We're close enough. So we'll just go in alphabetical order to make it fair, and we'll start with AJ Foy Enterprises. And I think this is one that is pretty easy for me. Um, I'm going to go with a D, and and here's why. They had solid results with Bourdais at the first two races, and really since then, completely fallen off the map. Uh, if not for those finishes early in the season, it would be an F. Um, Charlie Kimball missed the 500. Dalton Kellett surprisingly made it with ease. I think that surprised a lot of people. Hildebrand made it easily. Um, as far as the full-time entries, Kellett and, and Bourdais have really struggled throughout the season. We thought things were turning around late last season in, into this season. We we drank the Kool-Aid, and yet here we are you again maybe. back at square one. Well, the full, we, we can all agree, I think, that the four cars at the 500 was not a good idea. They stretched themselves way too thin. Yeah. Should have went three. Um, and we've seen flashes with Bourdais. Oh, my gosh, fifth at, uh, at Barber. Everybody thought, uh, here it is, but uh, has only had – Two top 11s since then, of course, St. Pete and then uh, 11th at Detroit 1, I believe. And it, it hasn't been good. I, I think we're seeing signs of positivity there, but it's been so bad that I think it's going to be a multi-season effort. And I think, really, they need a competent driver in that second car. I, I, I just We've seen enough of Dalton Kellett to realize he is what he is, and he's not a full-time IndyCar driver in terms of his talent level. It's just not. So he's just somebody that I feel just doesn't doesn't have it, doesn't cut it. You know, it, it's no bashing him. It's just it's it's not working. He doesn't advance that program one iota. And I think that's what you're going to need next year, 2022, is giving Sebastian Bourdais a competent teammate. Do you think Bourdais even returns to the team next year? What's his other option? Retirement? I don't know where Sebastian Bourdais is going. I I mean, unless some great entry magically opens for him and they say, this will be your final year, you can have the ride. I feel like Sebastian Bourdais is back basically because he has no really other options and could build upon, you know, what, you know, he still could finish in the top 15 in points, which uh, I feel for that team is probably as good as it gets, really. So yeah, anything better than 15th in the standings, I would consider a win. Right. Absolutely. So I don't think he has very many other options out there. 
Um, so I feel like he's back and give him a decent teammate and, and maybe we see some more progress, but I'm not going to be as bad as you were D as a little, is a little harsh. And I'm usually the harsh one. I'll go D plus. I'll give him a plus. <laughs> wow. What, what a stretch. Uh, you know, Hey, you put a plus on the end of anything. It's a little bit better. So I'll go D plus purely because of, the we've seen flashes and and yeah it's only you know two drives three drives maybe out of Sebastian Bourdais but it's really better than anything we've seen out of the last couple of years out of AJ Foyt Racing that's just how bad things have been so I'll be a little bit nicer than you give a D plus all right next on the alphabetical ordered list Andretti Autosport here we go here we go um well let's kind of look at where they're at so all their entries made the Indy 500. However, is they, that, they is that where we're at with Andretti, huh? <laughs> I guess that's a starting that's, point. That tells you a little bit about how <laughs> one things have been. one win on the season. Colton Herta at St. Pete dominated that race. He's had uh, another podium elsewhere. In fact, uh, that came what? Yeah, last race at Road America. So Colton Herta seventh in the standings. He's been great. After that, and great actually, I, I think is a stretch. He's been good. He's not been great. I think we expected him to contend for the championship and he's on the fringes, but I mean, he's going to have to win more races to, to get there. And I think if you would have told me he's seventh, basically just past halfway of the season, I would have said, ah, that's kind of a disappointment uh, on the season. Then you look at the other entries, Alexander Rossi 13th, which again, before the season, you would say that's awful, but considering how poorly his season started, Again, leading into the after the Indy 500, honestly, I mean, he didn't do anything there either. Um, you know, he's at least improved, kind of, <laughs> after being a back marker early on. I mean, best finish of seventh, not great. Ryan Hunter Ray only one top ten, did lead uh, some laps in both uh, of the races at Indy that we've held so far, but again, a pit miscue cost him the Indy 500, looking like a top five. And then after that, uh, James Hinchcliffe has just been invisible all season. Stefan Wilson out of the pit issue at Indy. So I I want to be nice and, and give Why? like a, a C plus, but I'm going to give them a C minus. I mean, they won a race, but everything else has just been awful. No, I'm grading them much more harsh than you. I'm going D purely because of Colton Herta's win. And, you know, they're two for 38 in terms of starts uh, and getting podium. So 38 starts this year thus far heading into this weekend in mid-Ohio for Andretti Autosport. And they have two podiums, both by a Colton Herta and one win. It's been disastrous for Andretti Autosport this year if your name's not Colton Herta. And even then, he's 92 points behind in the championship. He's a non-factor right now, 92, 93 points. Uh and he's the only one in the top 12 in points from Andretti Autosports. So, Speaking of non-factors, I forgot to mention Marco Andretti competing in the Indy 500 because he also was a non-factor. Yeah, absolutely. So you have Alexander Rossi, who we've talked about it ad nauseum here on the show, that he has all sorts of problems in the cockpit, in the engineering room, in that team. I know he's under contract next year, and we're going to get to that story a little bit later with Michael Andretti talking about his driver lineup for 2022 and beyond, but I would not be surprised if he's not back by his own decision to somehow get out of that thing. Yeah, I I would agree. I think he will do everything he can to try to get out of that and go somewhere else. However, 
if he, there's somebody who wants him. Exactly. He's he's almost raced himself to a point where, okay, this guy is essentially a mid-pack guy now. So you have Rossi in 13th in points. You have Hunter Ray, who's been a non-factor. And the only reason why we're not ragging on Ryan Hunter Ray at this point is because there's somebody worse in the stable, and that's James Hinchcliffe, who has been an absolute non-factor. And for all the excitement and energy that was around Genesis and backing James Hinchcliffe and being a full-time sponsor and all this has just evaporated because James Hinchcliffe has shown absolutely nothing on track to be competitive. This is a team that's used to being competing for championships with multiple drivers, wins with multiple drivers. It has one guy that is carrying the banner for this entire team. I think you're looking at a uh, barely passing grade from me. I'll get it a D, D minus even because how underperforming this team is wait, wait, this year. You, you said. I thought you already gave a grade of, of D plus, or was that No, that was if that was Foyt. Oh, that's for Foyt. Okay, okay. That was Foyt. So D I'm minus okay. D D minus on that line. Hinchcliffe has been so bad. He has zero top tens. He has zero top thirteens. Yeah. His best finish is fourteenth at Detroit two. And again, you wouldn't have known it because he's been invisible pretty much the entire season. Yeah, I think there is a lot of behind the scenes drama going on with Andretti Autosport that nobody's at liberty to talk about or doesn't want to talk about or wants to wait until after the season to talk about. It's a toxic environment, I feel, behind the scenes in a couple of those paddocks for Andretti Autosport and a couple of those garages. And uh, I think you're going to see some wholesale changes all around, not just with drivers, but engineers, crew, all that stuff, because this is unacceptable for Michael Andretti, and he'll say as much. And it's just been a disaster of a season. And we've said it before, Caleb, they need to thank their lucky stars that Penske doesn't have a win because otherwise they would be the story each and every week going into a race and coming out of one due to not being able to win a race. Yeah, that's that's a great point. They almost get a pass for one good race by Colton Herta. And, you know, you mentioned it's management, it's engineering, it's crew, it's the drivers. Like, I don't think it's necessarily a performance issue. Like last year, the driver said, "Yeah, we were just we were down on performance." I think this year it is the dynamics of the team that simply are not working. They they're not they don't have setups, they don't have strategy, and I think in a couple instances they don't have the drivers at this point. Oh, for for sure, and I could be obnoxious and go through all the different Andretti with so-and-so team names, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. Uh, next on the list, Aaron McLaren SP. So this has been kind of a a breakout season for Pato Award. I mean, I guess technically you could consider last year, but Pato Award with two races, uh, two race wins this season. He is second in the point standings uh, behind only Alex Pelot, who's also had a breakout season himself. Uh, then you get to the other entry, Felix Rosenquist, struggled before the crash at Detroit 1 and we haven't seen him since that race however the other entries the expectations are none I mean they just have to have someone on on the grid Kevin Magnuson and Oliver Askew filling in Uh, I think they did solid jobs Um, I mean Magnuson I think led some laps led some laps just just had a mechanical so, I think Oliver Askew, considering he was thrust into a position where he had never been at Detroit, mm-hmm. never been at Road America, and for him to bring home two intact race cars was a plus. Well, the second, though, with Ed Carpenter in for Renus Vico. True. But, yeah, I mean, it, impossible situation after that. But you got to look at where Rosenquist was at before then, and it was, well, 
Quite honestly, not, not great. <laughs> uh, zero top tens as well. Best finish of 12th, and that came at St. Pete. Um, I, I don't know what the deal is. Uh, it, it, this goes back to the days before Aero McLaren uh, involved with that team where they had one solid car and then another that seemed to be either a ride buyer or just you know a, a, a grid filler with the exception of the year they had wickens right um that's the only exception erickson did get a podium for for them uh in his first season in indycar but he's gone on to bigger and better things with ganassi since then um it, it's so hard to grade because the the rosenquist car in a way is incomplete because we don't know what he can do the rest of the season and it's kind of hard to grade harshly when a guy has a crash. Like, I mean, it's simply not his fault. Uh, you miss two races. Now he'll be back at mid Ohio this weekend. So when you look at the two, it kind of balances out. I'm going to go with a B plus. Man, you stole my grade. Um, you know, looking at Felix Rosenquist, and it's unfortunate what happened at Detroit. But prior to that, in six races, he had two top 15s. So he wasn't performing. And uh, it, it's it's unfortunate we saw what happened to him, and we'll expect him back in mid-Ohio. But at the same time, you need to judge him based on what he was doing prior to that injury or that incident. And quite frankly, he wasn't doing much at all. So uh, I, I, I'm going to give a B just to be a little bit different. Uh, they have one of the two primary um, championship contenders right now, if you look at Polo and, and Pato Award in terms of the two that are up there. So uh, I, I think that counts for something. And I think you're seeing the momentum building with that team, not just wanting to add a second competitive car next year, whether that be Rosenquist or, or somebody else, but add a potential third car. So I feel they're in a position right now that maybe is ahead of schedule with how well Pato Award has been running and competing for a championship despite, you know, really what happened last year. And we should have had him on the map, or me at least, for 2021. But still need to figure out that car number two and really give um, give some ammunition to to uh, Pato Award. And that's kind of where we look at up front, right, is we tend to favor Penske late in the year to win a championship because there's multiple guys driving up there, multiple contenders or multiple guys to help a teammate. You're looking at uh, at Pato Ward and what kind of help is he going to get? Do we favor Penske in that situation, though? I, I do not. I always favor Ganassi because it's Dixon and then the other guys help protect him. Well, I feel too, but um, it, it helps to have teammates around you, I feel. Let's just say that. Yeah. And Pato Award does not have teammates around him when he's consistently battling up front. There's nowhere, no way to look and say, uh, you know, who's going to help me here? Where are my teammates? And he doesn't have any in up there. So at, at least Rosenquist is coming back at a track that he's performed well at in the past. We'll see how, how it works with uh, with Rosenquist and and uh, Mid Ohio and going forward. Hopefully, he can find something because the first half of the season, even before his crash, there wasn't much there. All right, next on the list, Carlin Racing. It's been Max Chilton. On the road and street courses, minus the NDGP, which we still don't really know what happened with that. It was a travel issue, right? Technically, but it was just a very bizarre situation where they didn't show up uh, for that. Um, then you had Connor Daly 
running the ovals. Of course, Max Chilton running the Indy 500. Connor Daly with Ed Carpenter racing for the Indy 500. So uh, this entry last season, I mean, they got a pole position uh, with Connor Daly, Iowa. Had some good results in the ovals. Terrible pretty much everywhere else. Um, you you look at what they did at Texas with Connor. It was quite frankly bad. Now, granted, he got caught up in those early race wrecks. Uh, you look at what Max Chilton's done. Middling results, but then he got a, a tenth at Road America. Led some laps. Um, man, I mean that it's, was a big result for them, but it's just it car. It's hard to really grade because I guess with teams you expect to be at the back of the grid, like how do you raise a grade above something that's bad if they're performing at your expectation, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll give them a C because they got that top <laughs> 10 and led some laps. I mean, that's a big deal for a small team. I'm going against the, the grain. I'm give, just giving a participation award for Carlin. Because I, yeah, no, I really wanted to say like incomplete. Yeah, it, it's just like they're there and it's nice. But there's no expectations from outsiders for that team, right? It's just... Like, it's not like they've been horrible. They're not embarrassing him themselves. No. But they're also... It's just... They're just... You know, Carlin's there, and they have one car, and they really don't have drivers that are going to be consistently competitive, even if the way they had the, the car set up. Max Chilton's just kind of just there. Max is Max. He's never going to be that guy, I don't think, to take you to the next level. And so I'm giving a participation award to Carlin that, hey, it's great you're in the series. It's awesome. You're a great junior formula uh, team, both in the United States and Europe and overseas. But, um, you know, you're just kind of a seat filler at this point. You know, I don't see any signs and indications that this team long term has a plan. I feel like we're seeing at least with A.J. Foyt Racing is they're trying to lay the groundwork. They're trying to get better. Uh, they're hiring the right people, or at least they think they're hiring the right people. We see signs of maybe this thing is trending in the right direction. Carlin is just kind of like, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess it was great that they made the 500 this year as opposed to missing it last year with a couple cars. So. Well, and, and Gallagher out as a sponsor, and they have match fit pass, and I, there's another one. I don't that- even know that because I don't even see their cars. Like, yeah. I, I just, I, I wouldn't have known. I, I, I just, Carlin is a seat filler. They're uh, at this point. They're a entry list. Uh, they they make the entry list deeper, uh, longer. I mean, that's pretty much just where I'm at with Carlin. This next one, I think, will be fascinating for our grades. I I know for sure the letter. It's just a matter of where I'm going to be at. Positive, negative, nothing. Chip Ganassi Racing. Now you look at their season. Marcus Erickson won his first IndyCar race. Alex Pillow. Uh, won his first IndyCar race as well as he won the season opener, uh, and then also won at Road America a couple weekends ago after a late problem for Joseph Dugarden. Scott Dixon won a race at Texas One in probably, I think, the only completely boring race of the season, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the one that really had no drama, no intrigue to it, and partly because of qualifying getting canceled. Um then you have the other entry with Tony Kanaan and Jimmy Johnson. I know there's a we've said a lot about Jimmy Johnson in the past, but all all things said, based on my expectations, one for the Jimmy Johnson Tony Kanaan entry, and for the other cars, which I was very down on Ganassi to, to start the season, 
And I say that, I think, every podcast because I feel like I just have to own it as opposed to other people reminding me. So it makes it easier. <laughs> uh, own your mistakes. Uh, I'm going to give him an A+. Plus. Like, honestly. A+. Plus. Really? Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to buck the trend uh, from whatever you gave them and go A and feel like I was going to overvalue what you were doing. But I completely agree. They have multiple title contenders for the first time in what? 10 years? Yeah, since 2011? 12? 2012? I mean, Dario won the 500 in 2012. I mean, he was still racing in, in 2013, but he didn't win a race after the 2012 500. So, yeah, I'd go with 2012. Uh, so that's I'm, – I'm saying they have multiple series championship contenders. They have Jimmy Johnson, which we can debate back and forth, and, and we do almost weekly, on his performance on track. But there's no doubt that it's gotten a lot of eyes on product, and it's brought a lot of revenue into the team with Carvana. And sometimes, or all the time, that's important. But sometimes that can eclipse what's happening on track. So I feel when you look at this team and you're looking at the explosion of Alex Pillow and his emergence as a bona fide contender every single week, and the uh, obviously Scott Dixon is a known quantity and where, is he, where he's at, the buzz around Jimmy Johnson, which was obviously bigger during the early part of the season, has kind of faded, but is still... When you look at the uh, activation and the marketing of, of Jimmy Johnson has been huge. The influx of cash through Carvana into that team. It cancels out the relative ineffectiveness of Marcus Erickson. In my opinion, I feel like Chip Ganassi Racing deserves an A. And you gave them an A+. Plus, so you went the, uh, the added the added letter grade for sure, or the added uh, plus. But I feel it's, it's most warranted. And in my opinion... It's going to be the only A in my oh, yeah in my uh, rankings. Yeah, I I would agree. And you know, w- with Jimmy, and again, we we talked about this quite a bit. But with Jimmy, to me, the lap times are getting competitive. He has not been an embarrassment, in my opinion, as far as taking guys out. He's staying out of the way when he's being lapped. I get that he's spinning, but he's by himself. I mean, it's not like he's you know doing anything that's uh, affecting the race by causing crashes and strategy wise. I mean, he's not like he's blown like a strategy completely so far. Now I'm sure that can and probably will happen. And when you look at what he did at road America, moving up the charts speed wise, I mean, he's not last on the speed charts. He's closed a gap. That was what, like four seconds early on in testing to one to one and a half now yeah. to even less. I mean, he'll have an opportunity, not, so much this weekend, but when you get to the IMS uh, IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader weekend, a, a track that he's raced at and tested at multiple times, he'll have an opportunity to get a result inside the top 20 again. Uh, his, his best result, 19th in his first race. I think he's he has been about what I expected him to be. Uh, you're hard on Marcus Erickson, but look, he's 8th in the championship. He's won a race. Uh, worst finish of 19th. All his other races are top 12 or better. I think he's been solid. I mean, if if he gets top 10 in points, to me, that is meeting and or exceeding expectations. So that's that's why I give him the A+. Yeah, I I would agree. I I feel like, you know, Marcus Erickson is is, is doing what he needs to do to keep his seat. And this is the one team I feel when you look at and say, this could be the lineup for 2022. Yeah. 
You know, I, I don't see potentially with, no major changes with the addition of uh, of maybe a Jimmy Johnson as another full time full time, and then you know, would Kanan still do the oval portion, or would he even be full time again? If I mean the sale of Chip's NASCAR team to uh, Trackhouse Racing, I mean, who knows how much money? But when there are rumors out there of the the charters for these teams going for what what ten. 10 million yeah which is nuts and then he had a two-car operation he's selling the shop he's selling all the assets i mean you, this is a multi multi-million dollar deal i mean I'm, it's not 50 million but it could be anywhere from what 20 30 40 million i mean that's what any car deep throat telling me that it's, it, it could be 30 40 million so i could see four full-timers uh next year um and then a fifth kind of for indy okay so is what I'm thinking. That, that would be like Kanan, and then he may run the ovals or whatever. Right. Yes. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, maybe a fifth full-time, but I, I think we all expect Jimmy Johnson to go full-time, and there was news that he's looking to do a super speedway oval test. Uh, this was tweeted out, and I think people freaked out when IndyCar and NBC tweeted this out earlier uh, this week. But I was like, yeah, this is what we've been told. Like, he said yeah. he'd been hoping to test at a big I saw oval it as, before. I saw it as no news. Like, yeah. I, I, I thought it was common we, knowledge. That we heard this on the broadcast on one of the practice sessions during Road America. Yeah, Kevin Lee dropped it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think this is shocking at all. Not, not really a surprise at all, like you said. Okay, I mean, if he's going to run the 500 tomorrow or next year, which a lot of us, common knowledge, again, felt like we knew, then of course he's going to test somewhere. Right? Yeah, and the fact that they threw out Texas as, as the test track was surprising that tells me he'd even be willing to run there because as far as we know it's on the schedule for next next season yeah but when i don't know does it stay before indy again next team on the list dale coin racing with rick Ware racing this one is tricky for me in throwing dale coin racing with vassar so so basically both full-time dale coin racing entries you have Roman Grosjean and Pietro Fittipaldi for the 51 car. Then the 18 is all Ed Jones throughout the season. Uh, Grosjean has been, I, I would say, very impressive. A, a pull, a second place. Um, good result at Road America as well. He had a, a top five, I believe, at Road America. What was he, fifth, sixth? Uh, he's fifth, wasn't he? I, I'm, Grosjean? Yeah, yeah, he was. Fifth, okay, so... Grosjean has been has been really solid. Then on the flip side, you look at Ed Jones. Only one top 10 finish, and that was ninth at Detroit 1. Meanwhile, Grosjean had a top 10 in his debut, then a 13th at St. Pete. Again, we mentioned the Indy GP won the pole, led the most laps, finished second. Struggled at Detroit, which, again, not really a surprise. And then a fifth at Road America. Going into mid-Ohio this week, another track that he could excel at. Maybe a little tighter you know, as far as a track that he's used to as far as a road course at Mid-Ohio compared to Road America, obviously. It was more European style as far as the layout. Um, man, this one's hard to me because, like, Grosjean has exceeded expectations by far. But Ed Jones, Ed is, Jones kind is just of, kind of driving around. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with a, a C plus. The fact that Romain Grosjean, the part-time driver, is ahead of the full-time driver with Dale Coyne racing in points is a little indicative of just how topsy-turvy Coyne is this year. I'm going to go uh, B-. Okay. 
I feel for the first time uh, since Sebastian Bourdais was with that team, and even then not every year that Bourdais was with that team, they have a consistent guy that can get results on road and street courses every week, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's been the issue for a while. I mean, yeah. they have... They had Ferrucci for a couple of years, great on the ovals, but very inconsistent on road and street circuits. Pelot last year was a rookie, so, I mean, he had some good speed, but the results weren't always there. Right. We're seeing that now this year, of course. I feel like entering year two with Roman Grosjean, um, I think Grosjean could be a consistent contender week in and week out, including the ovals next year as a full-time driver. The question is, has he shown enough potential to potentially get an offer from someone else in the paddock, and Dale Coyne could potentially lose him. That's something that Marshall Pruitt brought up in his racer article, kind of recapping the first half of the year, is um, depending on that contract situation, could it be one and done for Roman Grosjean with Dale Coyne? I hope not, because I think uh, he would be an exceptional driver for Coyne going forward, at least 2022, but I think that other car needs some help. I don't know if Ed Jones is back in that seat. Yeah, I, I would not expect Ed Jones to be back in the second seat. I also honestly don't expect Grosjean to be back in, in the first seat, in the Rick Ware seat, just because, like you said, the results have been there. We expect him to try to pursue a full-time ride, and we're, we're seeing more and more opportunities. The grid expanding, you would think there are going to be more competition for these seats here uh, in, in the silly season, which is kind of underway now, and then the off season when, when guys get signed come September, October, November. Um, so you went B plus, I went what C plus? Or no, 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 I went C, C. I went yeah. C plus. So pretty even. We're pretty even so far. Ed Carpenter Racing. This one is tough again because you have a tale of two cars: the Connor Daly and Carpenter entry, which. Uh, outside of the Indy 500, Ed Carpenter getting a, a fifth there, has really struggled on the ovals, and then Connor Daly on the road courses. Um, it's been very bad. Uh, a best <laughs> finish on the road courses of 13th. He was 13th in the 500, but he did lead the most laps, had a good car until the Graham Ray Hall crash kind of, and that wheel hitting his, his nose really took him out of contention. Um, then you look at Renus VK, who is sixth in points. That's with missing Road America due to that broken collarbone. He's back this weekend as well. Won a race, his first race, the GP, second at Detroit. Led a lot, uh, a lot of laps at Indy. He's been pretty consistent, you know, and that's something that we weren't really sure going into the season. He was on the Defy Everything promo, which we love to bring up. Yeah, which, which we which. – we we don't see any more, but we were kind of like, who's the guy that doesn't match uh, on this um, on this picture? It was Renus VK. Little did we know. Yeah, the IndyCar marketing team they they saw something we did not see. So with this team, I'm going to go C minus. Wow. And, and I guess why I'm going to be tough is because that other entry has been so bad. Honestly, I mean, outside of the 500, and their cars were great there. I think I expect more. VK has exceeded my expectations, but the daily Carpenter combo outside of the 500 has not, and this is the second year of that relationship. So I guess I'm just grading tough. Like if we were just grading VK, I'd give it like a, a A minus or B plus. But looking at the total package, 
I get that they're going to care about the Indy 500 and they run the rest of the schedule, you know, to be there. And VK, they've had guys over the, I mean, New Garden now with the VK. They've had guys who are, you know, fringe championship contenders who can win races. But I think this team, in theory, uh, I just I don't understand how there is so much speed for one car and the other car is just just riding around in, in mid pack every weekend. Talent. Yeah, I feel like maybe we're in that position with with Andretti is maybe wh- why they have one driver in, in you know, that's competitive each and every week and three that aren't is is talent, among other things. I'm going to be a little bit more kind on Ed Carpenter Racing and give it a B. This is why you mentioned Renus VK and unfortunately, you know, missing the the race at Road America and we have him back at Mid Ohio, but he still sits sixth in the points. So if he showed up at Road America and went around in circles and finished last, you have to feel like he's in the top five in points after the first race or first half of the season. Can you tell me the last time? that Ed Carpenter Racing had a driver finish in the top five in points for the season. 2016, Joseph Newgarden. Absolutely. Since then, their <laughs> high in points has been 14th. Wow. Spencer Piggott, 2018, 2019, and, and VK last year in 2020. Ed Carpenter Racing finally has a driver for the first time in five years that is consistent, that is competitive, that can be a race winner at almost every circuit this series goes to. And if he finishes the year like he's been driving, he has a great opportunity to finish in the top five in points. That's why I'm I'm grading Ed Carpenter with a B, um, because they finally have a guy that's able to do this. Now, can they hold on to him? Joseph Newgarden was lost to Penske. Now, can Ed Carpenter Racing throw a lucrative enough deal and support around Renus VK to keep him, uh, not just you know 2022, but beyond? I think that's the question, and I feel like, once again, we're back to that second car. And who do you put in that seat? Is it a full-time ride next year? Is it only a partial splitting with Ed Carpenter again? I'm not sure, but here we are. Ed Carpenter Racing let Joseph Newgarden get away, and to be honest, I don't know if they could have done anything to hold on to him. But at this point, you have another talent that can be a championship contender for your team. Are you able to hold on to him? I think that's priority number one for Ed Carpenter Racing, even more than trying to hire a second driver even at this point. I really think they need to go all in on Renus VK and make sure they hold on to him. I feel like I need to change my grade, but, I mean, what's done is done. So I probably should have <laughs> given him like a B minus, B, B plus like you did, but whatever. Mistakes were made. Okay, Meyer Shank Racing next on the list. So for this one, are we grading the full-time entry only, the season as a whole? I mean... I feel you do it season as a whole. Okay. All right. Because you did it with with Chip Ganassi, and you did it with, you know... Andretti with the partials. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And and Foyt, too. So with that, I think that obviously raises the grade. Uh, I'm going to go with a B plus. It'd be higher, but I feel like... There have just been some weird problems happening with, with Harvey's car. You know, the in qualifying it, the Indy 500, that weird tire issue that we still don't really know what happened uh, with Firestone. Then you look at um, the issues he had in the Indy GP, where it was looking like a possibility of a, a podium, if not a win, in that race early in the season. And then he had that, what was it, that brake fire that happened at Texas? And right. isn't that the same thing that happened at the GP as well? So. Yeah. 
those issues, any 500 also, he was kind of a non-factor uh, mid-pack finish there. Obviously, El- Elio Castroneves winning the Indy 500 bumps this grade up significantly. And we'll find out what Elio can do uh, in the coming weeks as he is set to run uh, the races. Uh, let's see. We got race. What, what is his schedule? I, I always forget this one. What race. is he, he doing? He is uh, doing the Big Machine Music City GP, the Big Machine Spiked Coolers GP at IMS. Uh, he's skipping Gateway, and then he's doing the rest of Portland, the Laguna Seca, and Long Beach. Yeah, the West Coast trip. So what was your grade? B+. Plus. I'm giving it an A-. minus, um, And I'm really close to giving it an A because they won the Indianapolis 500. True. <laughs> I mean, I, in my opinion, it usurps everything else um, to win it, to win it the way they did with who they won it with. Long term, this is, you know... This is what's going to buoy that team to the next level. And, and they'll probably be full-time next year, right? Yeah. With that Elio entry, I, I if believe they can so. keep Elio. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I think they will. I think, you know, Elio is loyal um, to the team that gave him an opportunity to win number four. Uh, he'll be back, most definitely. Um, somebody that may not be back right now, to be honest, is Jack Harvey. And I think he was off to a decent start to the season – but, you know, May and June were just brutal to him. And, you know, a top finish in his last six races of 16th, a couple 17ths in there. The results have not been there. Granted, to what to your point, Caleb, he's had some issues, not of his uh, own, you know, cause, all, not all his fault. But when the opportunities have been there, he's not been able to capitalize. So a guy that's contract is up at the end of the year, could the Indy 500 win be a detriment to Jack Harvey in terms of Michael Shanks. So, you know, with that, you know, sponsorship influx and what that setup will be next year, could they go out and hire a driver of a better caliber than Jack Harvey? I feel like Harvey's in a position where he needs a strong finish to the season, and he's the minus part of that A minus, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's the sole reason why they didn't get an A range grade for me. Uh, he's 14th in points. I-, I guess I'd expect him to be somewhere in that. 11th to like 10th 11th 12th 13th range um but like you said his his past six races have been bad whether it's through bad luck strategy whatever um he led laps at road america did he not or they went off strategy and i never understood what they were doing with that 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 one confused me um detroit he struggled at indy just never really seemed to get going a gp obviously mentioned his issue there Seems like he should be a lot higher in the points. And, you know, Elio, meanwhile, his one race, he is 22nd in the standings, uh, just two points behind Santino Ferrucci, who will be at Mid-Ohio this weekend in the 45 High V Mountain Dew car for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. So those two part-time entries, top 22 in points at the moment, they could steal leader's circle at the end of the season because it goes to the top uh, 22 Fulls, okay, so here's where I get confused with that. It's the top 22 full season finishers, so I guess they're technically not eligible. But Correct. they technically steal? there's been 24 full time and car entries. Okay, so they're not eligible to steal like at the end of the year going into next. No, year. you need that car car to be entered in every race. But then we come into Carlin's 59. They get a pass for that. Apparently, one. they get a mulligan for IGP one. Yeah, it's it's all very confusing. It's all very yeah convoluted. 
All right, next on the list, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. You have Graham Ray Hall, Masato doing all the races. Santino Ferrucci so far has done uh, the Indy 500, both Detroit races, Mid-Ohio. Wouldn't surprise me if he did Gateway and maybe a couple others. Basically, as his schedule and sponsorship allows, he will be at the race, uh, whatever race weekend it is the rest of this IndyCar season. Um, Ferrucci, I think, has been excellent. I think he is prove that he is worthy and capable of being a full-time driver in the series not not that i think anyone really doubted that um but where it gets interesting to me takuma sato somehow is 10th i feel like he has largely been mia this season graham ray hall is sitting in ninth and he's you know sneakily putting together a decent year when you look at it he's he has five top five finishes mm-hmm. on the season but, but the killer the indy 500 where yeah. he thought he had the car to win strategy wise i mean they were ahead on fuel of everyone i mean even if he doesn't win and he comes home you know top five yeah i mean he's in the top five in points easily so i again i hate double points for any races personally i wish they drop it for the 500 i'm glad they're dropping it for the season finale this year um this is this is a hard one for me to grade. I'm going to go with a B. Uh, I think it would be bumped higher if the team had a race win. I, I would expect them to win a race before the end of the season, but as of now, a B. I'm going to go a B minus because other than Indianapolis, and even then, who knows if Ray Hall would have been able to be in the picture at the end. Uh, plenty of other things could have happened, but I just really feel like they haven't been a threat to win a race. Yeah, at any uh, point in the year, and for that team. Uh, they have higher expectations. So uh, last year, finishing sixth and seventh in points was uh, phenomenal, but um, it just not meeting expectations this year uh, for you know bad luck to you know not having the right setups of the right places. So I've, I'm at a B minus with um, with uh, Ray Hall Letterman landing and racing, and we'll see if they can turn the second half of the season around, maybe get a win. All right, last on the list, and then we'll get to silly season stuff. Team Penske. This one is so hard because you look at their point standings results. You'd say, oh, it's kind of a down year. New Garden in fourth. Uh, you have Will Power in 11th, Simon Pagenaud in fifth, Scott McLaughlin in his rookie year in 12th, which I think he has been solid uh, considering he's a rookie. Struggled the last handful of races, but, I mean, uh, he has a second place at Texas 1. No race wins, though. Man, when you look at expectation versus the results, it's hard to paint it positively. But because they have been so close to winning so many times, I'm going to go with a B-. minus. Oh, stole mine. <laughs> um, I'll go a little bit worse then. I'll go C+. I think the driver talent is still top-notch. I think when we judge other teams, when we look at Andretti Autosport, we say the drivers aren't talented enough. Uh, when we look at uh, other teams, when we look at Coin, or when we look at Carpenter in that uh, 20 car, I don't think the talent's good enough. When you look at Penske, the talent's there, right? All four of those drivers are capable of winning a race any time. Maybe not McLaughlin at this point, or McLaughlin, but... Um, we knew but he's come. Takes. He's come close. He's come. Cl- yeah, he's come close, and he's. Uh, I, I think he's where we thought we'd be, if not a little ahead uh, from what we thought is the rookie season. But the other three, any any chance, any, they can win at any time at any racetrack. 
I just think it's it's behind the wall is where we're seeing, or even sometimes you know over the wall where we're seeing the the problems with Penske setups, decision making errors, Me- uh, mechanical, mechanical issues that are mechanical just problems. Um, that is where Penske needs to clean it up. I I feel like when we're laying blame on other other. Uh, teams, it's easy to point to the driver, but I don't think we can do that with Penske. I think uh, it's just been a, a combination of bad luck and um, you know misfires and behind the scenes and in the engineering department. I think that's what's costing Penske. But in the end, you kind of have to grade them a little bit on a curve because excellence is the barometer for Team Penske. And with no wins through the first half of the season, and you know, really the only. Um, you know, in my opinion, the only threat to win the championship is Joseph Newgarden among drivers with Team Penske. I mean, I know Simon Pagino is up there. I just uh, I have a hard time throwing him in that conversation. I really think it's a four four person race now for the championship. Anybody below Newgarden, I don't think can it will be around there unless they get on a tear and win multiple races i mean i guess i just i don't know anybody that has the potential back there i mean could will power do it maybe i I just i don't think simon pagino could do that but um i'm going c plus based on what we expect each and every year from team penske and quite frankly they haven't uh truly delivered thus far and and speaking of penske simon pagino a racer article out uh, penske quoted In this article with Marshall Pruitt, it's not a secret that Simon's contract is up at the end of the year and we're in conversation with him. That's the only thing on that team. Everybody else is on multiple-year contracts. So, Pagano, the the one guy that could leave. um, The rest of the article, just a lot of stuff. Obviously, Penske wants to do the LMDH program. Uh, They have that partnership with Porsche, and Penske will be a part of that. You would think the IndyCar drivers will also be a part of that. Simon Pagano, I mean... He'll do an LMDH ride, whether it's with Penske or Peugeot or someone else. I mean, it'll happen. I'm just, I'm not sold that he's back. Uh, I, I feel so too. I, but then again, you like, they're saying all the right things, right? But Roger that's Penske what they do. I know. <laughs> but he's also, Roger Penske doesn't, uh, he, he, I, reading between the lines, it just sounds like it's something they wanted to get done. But will they lowball him potentially? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe not get, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, it's a, a reduction in salary potentially. And could Simon Pagino get more than what he's being offered by Penske elsewhere? Say McLaren, who knows? Speaking of McLaren, good segue. Thank you. We get to. Aaron McLaren SB aiming for third car in 2022. That from Racer.com's Marshall Pruitt as well. Again, this is not a surprise. We we have heard this from IndyCar Deep Throat uh, for like two years now, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> we expect this to happen. Pagano is an option there. Uh, also depends on what happens with Rosenquist if he is brought back. Pato, obviously, I would think is brought back unless another team tries to poach him but why would he leave you know he won't you're the number one guy he's he's not gonna leave um basically i i think with this third car it is felix i i you know if if he finishes the season strong he remains in the second car if he does not that opens up a whole other can of worms simon passion an option there for aaron mclaren sp one would think could Alexander Rossi move over if there are seats available? Mm. Could could Aaron McLaren SP poach him? And, and look, everyone talks about Rossi's ties to Honda, but people forget Joseph Newgarden had ties to Honda. 
Um, and even more strongly, Simon Passionote had strong Honda ties before he switched to Penske. So, I mean, these are the names I think of as possibilities. There's really not a whole lot in this article that I saw that was, you know, hinting either way on driver possibilities. But basically, if they can finish the year strong, a.k.a. Pato wins the championship, I would think it'd be pretty easy to add that third car. I would definitely agree. I, I feel like that third car is, I wouldn't say a definite for next year, but could maybe do a partial schedule at the very least, maybe do half the races, um, most definitely. So I feel like that's a, a definite definite plus for McLaren. You know they want to get to three, and you know is the end game they want to get to four at some point. I wouldn't be surprised. And this from IndyCar Deep Throat, telling us that 80% likely that Kyle Kirkwood will be in the DHL car in 2022. Again, this is not a surprise. This is something that, that IndyCar Deep Throat has teased to us for, I think, a year plus. So uh, as long as Andretti can keep the sponsors happy, I think that's another thing in, in this offseason. I think Kirkwood, if he wins the Lights title, he brings that money, he goes to Andretti, which he's already with Andretti's Lights program. Obviously, David Malukas is another guy who could – move up when you look at lights guys uh linus lundquist as well those are kind of i think the three guys who have the capabilities to move up right so yeah um again another another name to add to the mix for silly season and i feel like there was one more was there one more article oh yeah of course speaking of andretti uh, also from Marshall Prude of Racer.com. Andretti Autosport driver shakeup likely ahead of 2022. Again, this Shocker. is a, a duh article. Uh, the quote here from Michael, I think there's going to be some change on the driver front, and the goal is to stay at four cars. Obviously, we have two locked in right now, and then there's two that are in question at the moment that we're working on. That's so, putting it mildly. Yes. The the two they're working on, Hunter Ray, who was brought back on a one-year deal, and then James Hinchcliffe, who has a one-year deal and who's there thanks to the sponsorship uh, edition of Genesis. who They stepped up to do, what, 10 races this year, including the 500? So those are the two in question. Now I just wonder um, what that means as far as, you know, who's available. Obviously Kirkwood. Could they look at Oliver Askew, Spencer Piggott? Those names are mentioned in Marshall's article. Uh, Grosjean, is he an option, you know, to move to that team? if he would, you know, move teams. There are just a lot of possibilities here. A lot of things up in the air, most definitely, for Andretti Autosport. Michael Andretti talking like he's going to have Alexander Rossi back next year. I'm sure that's the full expectation of Andretti Autosport. The unknown, of course, is does Alexander Rossi have other suitors that could potentially enter that sweepstakes and say, hey, we'll buy out this contract and we'll give you X amount of money to give you a fresh start I feel like Alexander Rossi is that guy that may not always take the most money, but rather the best opportunity. So while his base salary could be lower than what he's making now with another team, maybe he takes that opportunity to get a fresh start. And going back to you know DHL and even Napa, we've heard talks about Napa continuing to shrink their involvement with Andretti Autosport. Look, Napa likes winners. We saw them jump on all fully on board after Rossi won the 500, but we've seen it slowly going away 
with no race wins. DHL, the same thing. Like they're they a worldwide company. They're they're big sponsors in Formula One, right? Um, they want to be involved with winners, and with Ryan Hunter Ray not winning races, that sponsorship is going to be getting to wane. So I feel it's imperative for Andretti Autosport to get championship caliber race winning caliber drivers into some of these seats and avoid losing some of these sponsors because i think some of them are on the fence because they're not getting their return on investment so to speak and if you want to look at more confirmation that kyle kirkwood will probably be in indycar next year uh roger griffiths who's the team boss at bmw i andretti uh, motorsport uh in formula e uh, this is courtesy of motorsport.com's david uh, malsher lopez uh, says that he's having a stellar Indy Lights season. And honestly, I think Kyle's focus is North America. American drivers, for the most part, are going to be looking to get a good ride in IndyCar. Huh. Those quotes read between the lines, right? That tells me Kirkwood, uh, IndyCar, probably Andretti next year. I feel regardless if Kirkwood wins the championship or not in Indy Lights, and right now he's tied with Linus Lundquist, eight points behind David Malukas for that uh, first place in Indy Lights. I feel like he's he's destined for IndyCar next year regardless. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So that's your silly season update. All right, quick preview of Mid-Ohio. Um, taking a look at the schedule this weekend. And, and this is great, in my opinion. You have the... Noon start time for TV coverage. Your green flag at like twelve oh five Eastern, which also backfired when lacrosse bled over. True. So that's not always a good thing. I don't know what kind of competition they're going to have this weekend, July fourth. I mean, the crowd may be good, but I don't know if the TV rating is going to be that impressive. But if you're going to have a race on July fourth earlier in the day, is better. That's for sure. Yes, earlier, and then that leads into the NASCAR race at Road America, I believe. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Mid Ohio, interesting race. It, it did not race well early on when IndyCar returned as far as the, the IRL slash IndyCar, uh, sanctioned event, but it's raced pretty well the past several years. Who do you like this weekend? <laughs> like a complete toss up, right? I mean, I mean, I almost feel inclined to pick. I'm going to pick Newgarden again. I'm no, like inclined. Oh, my. I'm inclined to pick him until he wins, uh, right? Uh, me too. That's <laughs> why I feel like uh, I, I'll go Will Power because he's okay. almost secondary. I'm going to keep picking him till he wins. I mean, yeah. there's no way we go an entire season without at least one of those guys winning a race, right? I mean, we, we, we were looking so smart for Road America, both picking Newgarden's like, yeah, Newgarden's got it in the bag. And then, you know, that little restart happened with, what, two laps to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, out. Will Power, one of the defending champions, if you want to say, obviously with two races last year, Colton Herta also won it. Before that, it was Scott Dixon. Rossi won in 2018. So it's another place where he potentially, you know, shakes the drought off. I don't know. Joseph Newgarden has a former win here as well. So a lot of avenues you could go, but yeah, I you since you took Newgarden, I'll take power. My gosh, these guys gotta win at some point. But if they throw a late yellow late, I'll take anybody but those two. And don't forget Ryan Norman in the Dale Coin racing with Rick Ware racing uh fifty two car this weekend. And then also Santino Ferrucci back in the forty five car uh with uh Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. So, again, green flag, 12.05 Eastern Time on Sunday. If you like what you hear, if you agree, disagree, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at newtrackrecordpodcast.com. While you're there, subscribe to our weekly email so you never miss an episode. 
Follow us on Facebook. Just search for New Track Record. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is IndyCar Podcast. And also, you can find us via email at NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. All right, time now for the mailbag, Justin, as we get into well, what the listeners had to say about things that have happened in the past week or so in IndyCar. And, you know, for being a quiet week, I feel like we have a decent amount of content to get to here. Do we? So let's get started. Okay, let's First off, uh, and these are all via Twitter. Don't forget, you can always email us as well, as I just mentioned, or Facebook message Did us. Did we get an email? We, it was back-to-back uh, shows not, we had. Not this week. Dang, broke the streak yeah. at two. Yeah. <laughs> we were getting somewhere. All right. This is from Scuba Steve 85 On the subject of Paul Ricard, I don't understand why they paint the runoff areas in vomit-inducing stripes. Bahrain is nearly all asphalt around the track as well. But it's painted tan with some other designs throughout. Solid colors at Paul Ricard would be so much better. Yeah, it is like it kind of hurts to look it at. It gives me vertigo. Yeah. Is what it does. <laughs> yeah, it's not aesthetically pleasing. Uh, this from Daniel SEM 2004. Uh, Justin needs to listen to Ask Off Track uh, with Hinch and Rossi giving his view of Jimmy Johnson and his performance at Road America. Uh, I mean, we saw that via Twitter, so I don't think it's anything new. Right. But. Look, the drivers are defending him, which does say something to me. It means that they think he's being respectful and not getting in the way. But almost too respect, like you know, true. Like he's almost that. He's not racing that hard. He's almost like the little brother that the older brother likes to play, allows him to play with him and his friends, and yeah. it's kind of you know you like having him around. He's you know, but he's he's not competing with us right you just kind of appease him and and humor him and all this stuff like you know it, it's almost like a not like a favor they're almost giving him like you know it, it's cool you're here you're an iconic driver but you know when it comes down to things you know just get out of the way when we're doing our thing type thing and and i, I hope that changes for year two but that to be honest is is how it is year one Year two, I expect a lot more than what we've seen in uh, year number one. I think that is fair for everyone. Uh, I, f- we'll, I feel we'll you need. I, I hope next year Jimmy Johnson is pissing some drivers off based on the way he's driving in a good way, aggressive, making moves. You know, dive bombing some things, maybe puts a, a wheel wrong in traffic, something. But he's in the picture. He's in. He's in the race right now. He's just not in the race. He's out there practicing while the majority of everyone out, else out there is racing. Well, and he, he's more confident in that scenario too because he knows the tracks. He knows what to expect. He's he's been there, done that, and I think that that would play a big role. As well. Okay, this from B Wilson underscore twenty seven. Hey, let's not wish any struggles on my beloved Crimson Tide. Uh, <laughs> hashtag IndyCar. Hashtag Real Tide. Hashtag Nick Saban would love Will Power. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Or he would annoy the hell out of you. Also, and maybe that. both. Yeah. Uh, this from five hundred Indy nineteen eleven on Twitter. I did some numbers in the Veach Hinch comparison. Veach ran eleven races last year with an average finish of seventeen point oh nine. Hinch has run nine races this year with an average finish of 17.88. Make of that what you will. Uh, uh, that, the entry has stayed the same, I guess. That's pretty much what I said last week, and we both indicated, like, you you haven't gained anything from putting James Hinchcliffe in the seat in replacing Zach Veach. I mean, yes, in theory, Herta took over Veach's seat with the sponsor. But, but you know what I mean. Yes. You know, he, yes. he's basically the one full-time addition, right? 
uh, and Zach Beach is out along with Marco. But yeah, you haven't gained anything. Uh, this from NCaptain185. Uh, please let IndyCar know content like this is awesome and it's free marketing. Such a cool look behind the scenes. Market this stuff to new fans all the time. They probably won't use this suggestion, but hey, it's worth a try. Did you see the video? He's I referencing did. the inside look with Rossi's weekend at Road America. That was excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know why I didn't see that on like Twitter or Facebook. Was it just on Instagram? Uh, I saw it on Twitter. Okay, that's cool. Uh, good. It needs to be out there everywhere. Those things absolutely need to be marketed and shown because that was pretty cool. That's what they need to do. That was kind of the drive to survive kind of style fall around for a weekend it was almost like indycar 36 is kind of yeah, what it was con- condensed though for yeah. like what a, a four or five minute five, video. Four or five minutes yeah but for sure really nice. really good stuff this from zach curly 8771 and, and we mentioned this earlier a uh, track house announcing that it purchased chip ganassi racing's nascar operation uh, adam stern broke that earlier this week uh, but zach asking indycar implications uh yeah uh, as we mentioned could they run a fourth full-time with a, a single driver you know aka jimmy goes full-time and then a fifth part-time or full-time ride yeah i i think that's very realistic um let's not forget i would expect to see ganassi do an lmdh entry and, and expand an imsa now i'm not going to pretend to be an expert in imsa is ganassi in imsa at the moment he's like he's in he's out um i don't know it just kind of depends <laughs> on on the year yeah i think so i don't know they had the 2021 Ford- ford gt operation and that went away um let's see they are in it with cadillac so i forgot about that they have magnuson ringer van der oh, yeah, right. and, and, and dixon and the uh the third driver for the endurance races so yeah i would fully expect him to be a part of the lmdh program probably expand his imsa operation whatever that would mean could um, we see and I know he's been against it for a while and has seen no real reason to do it in Indy Lights program. Huh. Yeah, that's... I mean, we already have expansion expected for Indy Lights next year with that TJ Speed or, or whatever team. I mean, legitimately looking at, what, 15, 16 entries next year in Lights? As long as we don't lose anybody, which True. you never know. True. That's also a possibility. And maybe not even 2022, but even 2023. But I'm looking at at, at Chip Ganassi, and and you know making that amount of money, and would he want to expand um, into different disciplines? And maybe that's in Indy Lights. Could he potentially see the benefit of that, or does he still feel like I can go out and hire whoever whenever I need to? Well, someone else chimed in, and I thought this was a smart comment. Poet Shevchenko on Twitter. Enough money to keep Alex Pillow. Huh. Yeah. Did did Pillow have a multi-year deal when he was signed? I don't think so. Because we've seen that second car basically be a revolving door. Um I don't feel he was in a position to get a multi-year deal. No. No, no, no. So Chip Ganassi's not going to lock in somebody that uh was, you know, finished 16th in his first year in uh in IndyCar racing to a multi-year deal. I feel like he's going to get a sizable raise from Chip Ganassi this offseason. Well, and that could be where a lot of the money uh, goes. In fact, I'm looking at this article from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star to see where we're at uh, with his contract. 
Let's see. Hello, taking over. Ganassi official said sponsorship on the car will be announced at a later date. Um, not seeing anything as far as a usually multi-year things, deal. Usually yeah. they say multi-year deal. But, you know, it, it, I don't think so. I think it's a single-year deal that will definitely be, um, you know, picked up for 2022 for sure. But, you know, sometimes, you know, expansion, you know, we're, we're thinking, you know, clearly seen expansion but could we see a lot of things behind the scenes does chip ganassi invest in in a a bigger technology and better technology for for his existing entries in series Um, but i think it's a definite possibility so i just say you know chip ganassi's heart is an open wheel and nascar was just kind of a thing he did just to do it and if you're not competitive week in and week out you know, Kurt Busch had his moments, but you and I were trading texts. I didn't even know Ross Chastain was a full-time cup driver, let alone a full-time Ganassi driver. I, like, cup. I kind of remember that announcement. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. But, yeah, the the team, I feel like Chip sold at a time where his team is definitely on the downside. I mean, he and still lost Larson. For it. And granted, I feel like he well, he, didn't, he had to lose. Like, yeah, he had to get rid of I him. I mean, he had to get rid of him. I mean, I think everyone understands how that situation played out. Uh, and on the Plo article, it said 2021 deal for the number 10 car. So I would assume it's a single-year deal. So, yes, we fully expect Plo to get an extension. Some of the money will go to that. Um, you know, how much longer is Scott Dixon going to race also? Yeah. I mean, you got to think about that. I mean, he could decide to step away at any time. So um, I just feel like um, there's a reason why Chip Ganassi's sold. And I know he said it wasn't for sale and all that stuff. Look, I have a hard time thinking that he sells his team if he had drivers that were higher than 16th in points where Kurt Busch is right now and Ross Chastain is 22nd. And he's not really competing for race wins with those guys either. Right. I mean, he has one top five all season. No, wait. Ross Chastain has two. He has more top fives than Kurt Busch at this point. Well, and also NASCAR, I mean, the costs seem to be going up and up and up, like, year over year. The TV ratings declined for several years. They've been steady. The Pocono ratings, though, were quite bad, surprisingly. And meanwhile, IndyCar, look, I get the ratings are nowhere close to NASCAR, but the ratings are up. The costs are way less compared to Cup. And it seems like there is positive momentum, and, and not just, you know, from a a fan standpoint, but you know, you look at the the car counts, you look at the TV ratings, you look at attendance at places. Like things are trending in an upward direction. And I feel too is I, I think this decision by Chip Ganassi was was multifold. One of them is the lack of you know consistent competition in Cup and coming around with the new car coming out in Cup. It's 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 a, a new investment, right? It's starting a new era of Cup and. I think, you know, Chip Ganassi, too, as he gets older, you know, 36 races is a grind in NASCAR, the Cup. And the older you get, you don't want to be at the track every week. You don't want to be traveling from Dover to Las Vegas to Atlanta, back over to Phoenix, and then you're going up to, you know, Pocono, and then the next week you're going down to Austin. I mean, it's 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 a pain. It's a haul. And sometimes if your heart's not in it, if you're not competitive, at least for championships— I think it's easy to walk away, particularly when you're getting thirty, forty million dollars for it. Yeah, r- rumored. Who knows? Yeah, how much. rumored. I'm but- sure it's easily, easily in the 
10 million plus range. I mean, with charters going 10 million, and that's not based on this. This was Dale Earnhardt Jr. talking about this because uh-huh. there's talk about JR Motorsports getting in to Cup. Is he dropped the 10 million dollars per charter uh, line? So the charter that's for the entire team or per car? Per car. Okay. $10 million for a charter. And he said, you know, even Dale Earnhardt Jr. is balking at that money. So that Chip number. sold two charters. So there's so $20, million, $20 million, roughly, million dollars right there. Plus the shop and all the assets, which is easily, you I know, mean, $5 million or more, right? I mean, yeah. we're talking trucks, equipment, you know, the shop itself. I mean, that's probably closer to 10 or more. I'm thinking, you you know, with everything included, I'm thinking you're, you're thinking minimum $30 million. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a realistic. And that doesn't have to all be thrown into his other series. I mean, you know, it could be Chip Ganassi saying, "Okay, I'm going to take X amount of this money and, you know, just sit it aside. And, you know, but even a two, three million dollar investment into IndyCar would be big time for his team, whatever he uses it on. Continuing on with uh, the mailbag, this from Jamin T14. So am I a bad person for wondering if Hurt is the only one worth keeping? At some point with Rossi and RHR, it's not anvils or luck. It's just time to make a change. No, I don't think you're wrong, honestly. I I mean, Rossi's under contract, as we mentioned, but with Rossi, would he try to leave and and find something else? I mean, that is the the question. I don't think you're a bad person at all because I feel the exact same way. He'd be bought out. And the teams that can afford that, Ganassi, Aaron McLaren SP, we don't expect any openings at Penske, and I feel like that ship has sailed for Rossi. There aren't very many people that would walk away from Andretti Autosport for a different ride, uh, but I feel like Alexander Rossi would be one of the few. Yeah, and if Honda's that important, then maybe the sale of the uh, NASCAR team by Chip could make a difference. I don't think it is. I think that's an overstated part of things. I could see Sato and Honda being important. I really have a hard time feeling that when it comes down to dollars and cents and money and fit and all that stuff, there's not a lot that Honda or, or, or Chevy can really do, in my opinion. I don't think they really have that, that pull like they did back in the day. And then this from Nick J. Fletcher back on Rossi. I feel like he simply needs a change, team, engineer, program, something. His stock has to be depleting quickly in the eyes of Penske Corp. Penske has to be looking at VK, Pato, Palo at this point over Rossi. Rossi needs change or he'll be outside looking in soon, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Again, though, I think Penske's out of the equation at the moment. I would agree. I even think if Simon Pagino potentially doesn't come back, I don't know if they bring back four cars next year. Correct. Yeah, I don't know about that either. And then also uh, Nick J. Fletcher tweeting, it's a shame that PT will not be in the booth to hear him argue with T-Bell. About whether his nickname is Flying Ryan or Stormin' Norman. I guess I'll add them both to my buzzword drinking game. <laughs> PT's too busy pissing everybody off in SRX. True, which has been pretty entertaining from what I've seen of it. No, uh, I DVR it. I honestly have not watched since the first no, me weekend, but I um, may try to catch some of this weekend since it's at uh, Lucas Oil. And I guess the Eldora race was pretty exciting as well. Yeah, I haven't seen it since that first week. Anyway, by the time, you know, for my auto racing watching... Um, with how busy the weekends are for me, IndyCar's one, Formula One's two. After that, I'm burned out, to be honest. Yeah, I think that is kind of the issue I have. You know, between F1 and IndyCar, you know, SRX is a, oh, if it's on or if I have time, I'll watch, but it's not really a priority. 
But the TV ratings have shown quite well, I must say. I thought it would dip a lot after that first race, which I thought was maybe a slight disappointment number-wise. And yet here they are, still hanging on over a million every week. Yeah. Good for them. And I don't, yeah, it's been good for SRX. I would say so far, success. Uh, This is from Poet Shevchenko. Someone on IndyCar Reddit said they heard Ganassi was going to do the factory Cadillac LMDH. Makes sense. I personally hope he opens a two or so car Indy Lights team. You know, that goes along with what you mentioned uh, earlier. So that's where that stands. And I I think we'll see Ganassi do LMDH. Penske Andretti's looking into it. An article came out the other day on that. Um, Let's see what else we got. Still got more tweets here. Tyler underscore Allen. Ask you and Kirkwood to Andretti. Magnuson to AMSP. Pagano to sports cars. Hinch to Shank, too, unless Elliot goes full-time. Santino fold, uh, full third. Ray Hall entry VK to Penske. RHR Carpenter. Let's see how close I am next spring. LOL. Well, uh, Magnuson will not be at McLaren full-time because he has the WEC uh, Peugeot schedule. But I could see him as a third partial. Yes, I could as well. I think that's a guy who they're just waiting get, to get into a seat there, kind of like Rosenquist was for several years before they got him. Right, just kind of waiting. Poet Shevchenko, do you think the TV ratings, which will hopefully continue to be strong to the end of the season, are getting team sponsors to put a few extra bucks on the table to expand the teams? I mean, it's not hurting. Um, I would think... What? It's not hurting. I think it's helping. I don't know how much it helps, though, until you pitch stuff for next year, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think it's helping so much in season unless you have, like, a sponsor like Hy-Vee who has seen the success. And, and granted, they were involved last year, too. So it's this is the first year that they're involved that they can actually activate, so to speak, at the track. Definitely. And I think, you know, from things we have heard, you know, sponsors and sponsorships have been up and happy and excited with everything that's going on in a lot of these teams and circumstances. So I, I feel like, yes, going into next year, they'll have a greater chance of activation. This from Transdotion Trojan. Ask you deserves a full-time ride. Every bit as talented as VK, just doesn't have the sponsorship money. I think that's another name to keep an eye on in the off-season. Um and, and silly season now, too. Uh, does he land at Andretti? I guess that's probably his best option. Or does Ed Carpenter take a flyer on him, you know, for a road and street course entry? There's a lot of uh, of intrigue. Uh, and I feel like we say this every year, but it feels like there's a lot more this year than in past years. Particularly because I feel like a lot of teams are in a position where do you hold on to an established veteran... Or do you take a shot at the next young talent? And we're starting to see that turn. And I will own it at the beginning of the season and said, I'm not going to be convinced it happens till I see it. Well, here we are with Alex Pillow atop the, the standings and, and Pato Award in there and Renus VK and, of course, Herta. And, but there's also plenty of guys that have been around the block in that top 10 as well. So do you hang on? Do you try to get the last bit of. Uh, of racing out of a veteran, or do you try to hire the next Alex Pillow? So I feel like that's a question that a lot of team owners are going to be asking themselves. But the uh, the young guns, they're here, Justin. They most definitely are, and I've, I feel like some, uh, you know, 
there's only so many chances that that Connor Daly gets. There's only so many chances James Hinchcliffe gets. There's only so many chances that uh, Felix Rosenquist gets, or Spencer Piggott gets, or Max Chilton gets. You know, before you turn the page on them and say they are who they are, and we need to find the next star for our team. And I think. You know, in a lot of situations, I, I think you could pick at least one driver out of most every team in the paddock this year that you could point to and say, that team has a decision to make on that driver and whether they turn the page or they hold on to him. Uh, it's interesting because you're kind of mentioning those in-between guys who, I mean, Rossi and Newgarden are safe in the series. Pagenaud is safe, um, whether they move teams or not. But then you, you kind of have those guys who are in between who have, you know, that three to five or so years of experience or maybe slightly more. But as far as the generations go, they're, they're not, you know, Power, uh, Dixon, Hunter Ray, Kanant. Like, they're not part of that class, but they're also not, you know, VK, Pato, Herda. They're not those guys. It's it's kind of like, you know, what have you done for me lately? And yeah. if the guys have been consistent – but they're not winning races like these younger guys have been doing this this season. You know, do they kind of fall out of favor and, you know, do they find themselves leaving the sport? Yeah, I mean, you, you can go down and, you know, you know Harvey, Daly, Jones, Hinchcliffe, Rosenquist, Kellett, Chilton. I mean, those are all guys that, um, you know, may not, you know, after this year, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them ever, if, if one of if several don't ever race an IndyCar race again. I think a lot of those guys could be just indie only guys potentially. So there's a lot to figure out and a lot to dissect. And as we're seeing the page turn to the new crop of guys is how, how much, how long do you wait before you turn the page on your aging racer whose best days are behind them? All right. That wraps up the mailbag time to get to news and notes. Uh, Big machine music city, GP tickets, uh, single-day tickets will go on sale July 6th, 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 Eastern, for those of you who can't convert time. Um, <laughs> limited tickets. So July 6th, what, what is that, Tuesday? Yeah, yes, Tuesday. it is. Mm-hmm. So that is coming up soon. Also, Long Beach News came out uh, this week, the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Tickets are on sale now, gplb.com slash ticket-prices. And I believe these are for three-day tickets at the moment. But tickets are on sale. I would expect that event to be massive this year. Uh, let's hope they're able to sell out and maybe even you know add some capacity, especially after having a year off. That's one of my favorite events on the IndyCar calendar. Love to go one day. It's kind of on the bucket list. Very nice. One of these days. Once the budget of the podcast goes up a little bit <laughs> yeah. further. Yeah. By a little, you mean a lot. <laughs> California is <laughs> yes. expensive. A little bit. Uh, didn't get to this earlier, but uh, Andretti is testing an Indy Lights, uh, a guy in Indy Lights, Salvador de Alba Jr. Uh, test comes courtesy of Michael Andretti and Michelle Jordan's Super Copa Team uh, Alliance. Uh, de Alba Jr. is a Mexican driver. He leads the Super Copa Championship. And that actually brings me to something I forgot to get to, courtesy of IndyCar Deep Throat. And this is... Uh, I think something that we've been clamoring for for a bit once we knew that Pato would would come into the series and would be a possibility. But uh, word on the street, and we almost saw Mexico City happen, when was that, like 2016, 2017? Around there, yeah. 
Um, but IndyCar Deep Threat telling us um, one of my sources thinks we will get a street course race in Mexico for 2022 or 2023. Uh, Mexico City race might happen. And that this person saying a few months back. So um, possibility there. And then this is not a surprise. Red Bull extending Sergio Perez with a two-year extension should be announced by the end of July. That also courtesy of IndyCar Deep Throat. How amazing can a month... I mean, we were talking here a month ago that Sergio Perez, Checo needs to pick it up or he could be out of a job at Red Bull to now, uh, you know, winning a race uh, and being a consistent uh, second Red Bull car up there with Max Verstappen. He's getting a... a uh, Outclassing uh, Botas, too. Not that... I mean, Botas had just had a terrible season, but I mean... Perez went from struggling, and granted, new car, new team, it takes a bit to figure it out. Sure. But he's figured it out. Most definitely. So uh, with with the Michelle Jourdain thing, when that deal was announced, uh, we felt like, could that be a pipeline to IndyCar? Could that be just another kind of junior formula operation for Andretti Autosport? Uh, I think we're seeing the, the early returns on that. And hey, more Mexican drivers, the better, because... As you mentioned, Caleb, I feel like if you can get enough interest from Mexico in a street race, and it's all about getting uh, home, you know, home country drivers in that race, that's what's going to pay the dividends to make that a popular event. Instead of focusing on races in Australia, which I mean they got close to a couple years ago, uh, Japan, which they've run in the past, or wherever else in the world, I, I think China. Yeah. They should focus on getting a Mexico race and then making sure Toronto's healthy enough that they could add a race in Western Canada. I mean, to me, that's the expansion I want to see. Yeah, Vancouver, more, more Calgary. More helpful to the teams. Edmonton, I guess you could throw into the mix there. Sure. Um, that is more helpful. Way less costs on travel. Way better for TV ratings also. I mean, that's another thing you have to factor in. I mean, when they race in Brazil, is an hour ahead of Eastern time, so it wasn't like a huge deal yeah. uh, for that. But, I mean, you race in Australia or Japan, I mean, the race starts at like 11 p.m. or midnight. I mean, there's just there's no value there for the teams as far as the TV product goes, unless you're getting paid an absurd amount of money, and IndyCar is not in that position currently for that to happen. No, not I mean, you need a big-time sponsor to step up, you know, whether it be Japan or Australia, to offset those costs, that's for sure. All right, uh Wrapping up news and notes, Alex Zanardi's wife gave an update on his condition, this uh, courtesy of Racer.com, and Alex is stable. He's having you know, some neurological uh, surgeries and a rehabilitation program. Uh, he cannot speak at the moment. He was in a, a coma for a while. Uh, he will head home. No timeline, though, for that move, according to... Uh, Alex's wife, Daniela. So that's the update there. Wish Alex the best. And hopefully we can get more positive news with that soon. Uh, also, courtesy of racer Ralph Wilkie, the leader car to IndyCar and midget car owner, has died at the age of 90. Leader car, I mean, that goes way that's back way in the back. day. Yeah, big time. So he, let's see, assembled the team in 1959. Roger Ward behind the wheel. Um, won their Indy 500 debut, second victory with Ward in 1962. Then in 1968, Bobby Unser got his first win at the Speedway. Um, he won a couple more, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was 
he was pretty good. Yeah, decent. So, and then uh, Bob died in 1970. That's Ralph's dad, and then Ralph took over to run the team. And they competed through the 1994 season. So, uh, best best wishes to uh, his family on that. But just a little bit of history, and that that comes before my time, way before my a time, before bit. your time yeah. too. To be fair, absolutely. All right, one thing I didn't get to: three key stats from Mid Ohio, courtesy of Chad 200. Three of the last four races: one from pole, five of last six, one from front row. Power nine front row starts, six podiums, the best average finish in field. Rossi last five finishes here: sixth, first, fifth, third, second. So if there's a weekend that Rossi could get a win, this is another one of those opportunities. But we also said that at Road America, and it's also conversely though one of those opportunities where Alexander Rossi comes out of the weekend with being a non-factor the entire time, and it's another missed opportunity. So this goes one of both ways. We enter the weekend similar to Road America, where we said this could be it for Alexander Rossi, and he was a non-factor, and that it's even more frustrating for him because he'd had success there before, right? So we're entering the same situation, in my opinion, here at Mid-Ohio. All right, no tweets of the week because, quite frankly, nothing interesting that nothing I saw. Nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. At all. Pretty pretty quiet. It's a good thing we we had saved our midseason uh, grades for the teams for this week. But it's time for our random split-era driver in either CART, IRL, Champ Car. Um, or IndyCar, Indy, for that matter. Yeah, IndyCar, well, Indy Racing League. Well, true, but we're going to go not very far back um, to 2011. Well, no, that's not split era. I know it's not split era, but I thought it was split era forward. It's not? What? No, it's during the split era. Oh, for gosh sakes. <laughs> Kill time. You I'll know the rules. Okay, okay. You know the rules. I mean, I this is how it works. Uh, Mid-Ohio, don't forget this weekend. So I mentioned earlier you have a couple of additional entries, and you have Ryan Norman, and he's sponsored by some sort of <laughs> not Bitcoin, but it's like a another cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency like Coinu or something. K O I N U. Um, and then, ooh, wow, the Jimmy Johnson uh, car is out for July fourth. That people voted on. It's I think got a bunch the, of patches on it. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's the coolest thing that Jimmy Johnson has uh, given this series so far is that voting thing because those are some pretty sweet liveries. And, and this one I like. Also, you look at the spotter guide. For this weekend, some other changes as Justin is unprepared and doesn't know how the segment works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you have Joseph Newgarden in the Expel car. Um, let's see what else. Again, Felix Rosenquist back. Uh, Pelo in the NTT data car again. Um, Graham Rahal with the fifth third livery. Renus VK back on the track. Passion in the Menards car. Rossi with Napa colors this weekend. Hinchcliffe with the capstone green colors and the orange accents. You can mention Santino Ferrucci back with the High V Mountain Dew car, the 45 machine. Uh, Ryan Norman with that Koinu car. It's basically the black with the white accent car that Cody Ware ran at uh, Road America, but just the Koinu on the side pod. And uh, Max Chilton, Jack Harvey, same regular look. So that's that's a look at the 
liveries for this weekend on the spotter guide. All right. Do you have your driver yet? Yes, I got my driver. Okay. Yeah, it's right. got to be a driver between 96 and 2007. Yeah, I know. I thought we were doing 2008 is, is no. It doesn't count, huh? Okay. We're going to go with Andrea Montermini. Who? That's right. Andrea Montermini is an Italian race car driver born in 1964 and raced for parts of three different seasons in kart. He raced 1993 with, of course, Euro Motorsport, one of your favorites. Uh, 1994 was a busy year for Mr. Montermini. Raced for Peyton Coin Racing. There it is. Um, did not qualify or did not start at Surfer's Paradise uh, that year. And then raced two races for King Racing and then showed up uh, for Project Indy in the season finale that year. And uh, also got four starts for All-American Racers in 1999. Uh, finished uh, His best finish was fourth at Detroit in 93 with Euro Motorsport. So his success came prior to the split. He raced in Formula One. Oh, yeah, okay. Did 29 huh. Grand Prix, uh, 20 starts. Actually, was entered 29 races, started. What uh, uh, team was he with? He was with, let's see, he was with uh, Simtech Ford. Uh, let's see. They were not very good. As nope. I and can then, recall. Uh, Pacific Racing. That was in cart, right? No, it's Formula One. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember them. Yeah, uh, they they took part in two full seasons of Formula One. Pacific what, uh, Racing. What years? 94, 95. Okay, he so he took a 95. break and then came back. So what did, did he race cart uh, or IRL raced, 96, he, 97, 98? Uh, no, he was in 93, 94, and then 99. He Before that, he was in Formula 3000 and uh, then did, let's see, Formula 1, 94, 95, 96, and then came back in 99 for cart, did a couple 24-hour Le Mans races in the late 90s. But other than that, I don't know what he did in 97, 98. Maybe he just, you know... Took a two-year break. Yeah, a little, um, little hiatus. Didn't win any races in Formula 1, obviously. No no podiums, no career points in Formula 1, but did have a fourth place at the Detroit Grand Prix in 1993 was his top finish. Other than that, had a seventh at Toronto for King Racing in 94. And, and was he his, was with Dane Gurney's All-American Racers in 99. What was his best finish there? Uh, was an 11th at Vancouver. Okay. And a 15th at Surfers Paradise. So there you are using the correct uh, <laughs> parameters of this feature, Mr. Andrea Montermini, who is now 57 years old. Again, was an Italian, a guy out of Italy. Italy. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> struggling. Next, next week's segment will be better. Prom, at least in the delivery. <laughs> we we've talked a lot today. <laughs> we did, we have. We we did a whole whole radio show before uh the podcast. So we're we're running out of words. We're, yeah, which is amazing even for us. Yes, it happens. <laughs> All right. Well that is our random split area driver of the week. And with that, that wraps up this week's episode of New Track Record Podcast. We'll be back next week with a recap of the Honda two hundred at Mid Ohio. Podcasts by Federated Media.